0: is the black box. Emergency Response Executive Ken Jenkins draws from his years of experience in deployment, logistics, planning, and after action analysis to take you inside the black box. Now, here's Ken Jenkins. As accident investigators review the black box for critical details on an accident to find out what caused the accident, my goal through the podcast is to dive into the accident response and find out what we can do to improve that response. To that extent, today our topic is the Aviation Disaster Family Assistance Act of 1996. Most people are not aware of this act, and yet it's a very critical uh, aspect to emergency response for commercial airlines and airports. Uh, now around the world not just within the United States. My guest today is a very unique individual in that she helped craft the legislation uh, of the Aviation Disaster Family Assistance Act of 1996. Her name is Jennifer Stansberry Miller and I'm very pleased to welcome her on the show. Jennifer welcome. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you coming on, Um, and full disclosure and transparency, Jennifer and I are colleagues and and friends. We've done quite a bit of collaboration uh, together, and I certainly admire her and um, particularly her tenacity with family advocacy with regards to aviation legislation. As I mentioned, the Act was created back in 1996, but prior to the Act, there were a number of high-profile accidents. Uh, that many of you may remember. The crash of TWA Flight 800, Value Jet 592, U.S. Air 427, uh, American Eagle Flight 4184. Jennifer has a unique tie and perspective that she brings, and I'd like to begin today, Jennifer, by asking you how uh, your story with regards to the act and how you got involved with the act um, and the accident you were involved with.
1: Sure thing. Our involvement began after the crash of American Eagle Flight 4184, which involved uh, the death of my older brother, Brad, and the handling of the accident and the aftermath uh, began to raise flags for our family when we did not get the answers we needed from airline representatives. Um, From there, we began to investigate and dig further, including connecting with other family members to figure out exactly what was happening during the aftermath. Some examples would include um, my brother's personal belongings. We have photographs of belongings that did survive impact, but those belongings were never returned to us. What we learned later on was these belongings were deemed unreturnable and not, um, they were a biohazard threat. Therefore, they were incinerated by the airline's um, insurance company. Hmm. From there, um, we understood the gravity of the crash, especially after looking at the photographs and the media reports. We had a family conversation around the fact that there was a possibility that Brad's body would not be returned to us, again, given the destruction. What we found was towards, I would say the second week in November, we were told that positive identification was made of all 68 individuals and that uh, the, the bodies would be returned home. That was told to us a day after we were told identification was not yet complete and it could take weeks. Again, another red flag and misinformation given to us. So we helped, we conducted a burial of what we thought was Brad. Learning a few months later, after meeting with a coroner, that we were re- received human remains found by Brad's driver's license that did survive the crash. So what we did um, in March of 1995 is have the casket um, disinterred from our hometown and sent up to the common burial. The common burial occurred without the family's participation and without the family's knowledge. So what they did is um, the airline worked with state and local officials and conducted this burial and reports had it was they wanted to, um, to spare the family's additional pain
0: mm-hmm.
1: and as unique as that might sound that was common practice during this time
0: and the great so I, can, I just want to ask you a question instead of um, sparing you additional pain did it create additional pain
1: Oh, absolutely. And that was just one thing, because once we learned that this happened, that created great mistrust for everything in the response process. Mm -hmm. What else did they do wrong and what else were we lied to about? Mm -hmm. So that began an immediate phone calls to our local and uh, state government officials that began the initial advocacy work. To exactly figure out what happened and that led to months of phone calls and letters and collaboration with the 4184 families when we decided this is absolutely wrong so the great people from um, us air flight 427 reached out to us and what we learned was our story was not unique it happened to them as well And not only did it happen to the US 427 families, it happened to the Northwest 255 families. And then the list grew and grew. So we came together and had a couple of meetings uh, either on the phone or we would travel to Pittsburgh and we would compare notes and decide what should we do. And from there, the US Air 427 families did obtain our initial meeting at the National Transportation Safety Board in June of 1995. And from there, a few of us did go and outline our initial concerns of what the government should do to assist in this process. And that meeting, along with all the advocacy work from all of the accidents and the lessons learned, helped create the Aviation Disaster Family Assistance Act.
0: Wow, and I know that that during that time period, I mean, we're talking, uh, how how many years, Jennifer? Was it a a year, two years?
1: So for us, uh, the accident was Halloween 1994, and President Clinton did the mandate September of 1996, following TWA's flight, because it was during that flight he did visit, and he did walk through the Family Center at that time, along with two of the family advocates um, from KAL007 and then Pan Am 103 did accompany him as well.
0: Wow, well, when we, when we come back from the break, I'd like to ask you some more questions about the act itself and some of the changes that came about through the advocacy of the family Families, family members themselves, uh, specifically from your experiences and the groups. We'll be back right after the break. Buckle up. More of the Black Box is next on RNCN.
1: destination for premium talk
0: radio. Hang on tight. You're listening to The Black Box on RNCM. Welcome back. This is Ken Jenkins with The Black Box and our featured guest today is Jennifer Stansbury-Miller, surviving family member from American Eagle Flight 4184, family advocate, and one of the the leaders in creating the Aviation Disaster Family Assistance Act of 1996. Uh, Jen, during the break we were talking about um, the act itself and in nine minutes you were able to to succinctly summarize everything that happened but it took a year and a half and working with lots and lots of people. When the act was actually um, signed by President Clinton, were you present for that?
1: I was and it was uh, one of those absolutely once in a lifetime moments. And I will, will share that I never wanted to go. I never intended to go uh, until my mom, though I was a young adult, made me go. <laughs> so um, I, I did go and I am thankful I was able to be there to witness our collective work. Um, again, because this is solely does not belong to one person. And this solely does not belong to one accident. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many great people with all of us sharing horrific stories, personal stories that happened to us. And to be there that day and to see a family member be able, uh, Doug Smith, introduce um, President Clinton was pretty spectacular. And as well as this was a time coming off of two new fatal accidents with Flight 800 and Flight 592. hmm so at that moment, I was able to connect and meet with some of those families that did um, come to witness this time. And it was an extraordinary moment. I was going say, it must be
0: bittersweet. Yeah. It's good that the act is passed, but the reason that it had to pass is, is not good.
1: Correct, correct. And um, my, my hope is that in the subsequent task force that outlined the directives of what the industry knows today is beneficial.
0: Well, and let's talk about the benefits of the act. And and I know from a, being a former airline employee myself and, and working with the act, it did, in my opinion, gave airlines permission to talk about accidents where they weren't really talking about it before. And then talking about the best way to respond, not only on behalf of the organization, but for the family members and survivors impacted. You had mentioned before the break and, and discussing and and thank you for sharing your experiences about your brother brad about the his remains and his personal belongings what were some of the things uh, benefits from the act um, that you would like to share with with folks today
1: one of the benefits of the act uh, surrounding the return of personal effects especially after an all fatal accident when a loved one's uh, body is not returned as well. Those items are very important in the healing process. It allows us to see tangible proof that 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 individual possibly is no longer with us as well as it is a reminder of the attachment and the sentiment of that special relationship that we had with our loved one. So when an air carrier took that from us That was another insult, because where did they have the right to destroy property that was not necessarily theirs? And I know the argument of one, not viewing items in bad shape. Well, I I tell you from the family perspective and also a clinical social worker that works in the hospital with personal belongings and affects return to families, families want the items families can handle the truth period and the families deserve the truth even in the form of an identification card that is filled with blood
0: so it it sounds to me that that what the act did is it it basically said and i guess in its simplest form is the decision shouldn't be made by the airline the appropriate decision or the decision should be appropriately made by the family members instead so it's now correct. their their choice as to whether or not they want those items back or to view them is that correct
1: correct right. and eight after or eight years after our accident uh american airlines did reach out to us and they found um boxes of personal effects they they found um in storage later on and i i can say from the family perspective, having gone through the pre-legislated response versus what I know now as a legislated response, and how personal belongings are um, are returned, the catalog and going through it is very hard.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's necessary. But it's so
1: much better than what we had, right. which was nothing. Or in our excuse me, in our cases, a couple of items, knowing through photographs there was more, but somebody took that decision away from us and destroyed what was left.
0: With, with regards to not only personal effects, let's, let's zoom out and look at family members in the aftermath of an accident and share with everyone what the number one thing is family members want. Once they learn of the accident and that their loved one's on board, what is the, the one thing they're after the most?
1: Information. Hands down, any event, whether it's an aviation crash, whether it's an explosion, whether it does not matter whatever the incident is, those affected want basic information so they can determine where their loved one is and whether or not they survived. And if they did survive, where did they go? If they did not survive, then what's next?
0: And how does the Act, or how did the Act, well, actually, how does the Act today, since now we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of the uh, legislation itself, how does the Act help with providing that information? What guidance is there that you can share with everyone?
1: The biggest benefit of the Act, from my perspective, is, yes, we had the 800 number when um our accident happened. Um, I do have concerns with the um, how effective the eight hundred number is because I understand there are busy signals and, and people cannot just get through.
0: And so, when but, we talk, if I can back up for yeah. a second, Jen, just for for everyone's understanding, the eight hundred number we're referring to a published toll free number that the airline um, provides to the media for family family members to call in to determine if their loved one was on board the plane or not. All right, sorry. So go ahead.
1: I would say what I see as the biggest benefit and asset to the legislation is the NTSB's TDA division. To have the coordinated resource, the briefings, and access to basic information um, during not only the response investigative process, but also long term mm-hmm. is amazing. It is so great to have a source of guidance but also just resource if they don't know the answer they try to find the answer or guide you to the place to go to make sure you get what you need and that guidance was so desperately wanted by 12 accidents pre-legislation mm-hmm
0: Well, and let's, you know, let's, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, let's talk more about the National Transportation Safety Board and the TDA, which is Transportation Disaster Assistance, that division specifically. And I'd also like to talk with you a little bit more about family advocacy and how it's changed the aviation industry. We'll be back in just a few minutes. More of the Black Box coming up. Number one source for premium talk radio. You're tuned in to the Black Box with Ken Jenkins on RNCN. Hi, welcome back. Our featured guest is Jennifer stansbury Miller. And before the break, Jennifer was giving us information, basically what family members want in the aftermath of an accident. Information being key. We were also talking about the importance of family members determining what personal belongings they would want back. Uh, that that should be their decision and not the airline. One of the things that we didn't talk about, Jen, that I'd like you to, to mention is and, and to share with, with everyone today is about the burial uh, burial process and repatriation of remains. What would have happened differently for you and your family if the act had been in place in 1994? How does it work today compared to 22 years ago?
1: Well, the, the, the biggest... Benefit of the legislation for my family would have been DNA and having a DNA process to positively identify my brother. Uh, Through pictures, we were able to ascertain that part of his body was identifiable if we were given that privilege. And that privilege was taken from us today with the advancements of DNA and the response process. The families are able to not only get their loved ones back through that process, but also the option of after they are informed that DNA did not work, for example, or could not work given the severity of the crash, and the common burial is the only option. They're informed of that. They're involved with that. And they are able to be present as difficult and challenging as that is. It should be or or, or the industry should know it's okay. It is hard, and it is not the choice we want to have our families' remains, with essentially a bunch of strangers. But we understand that that could be the only viable option for a dignified burial.
0: So we're back to information and that that information be shared with families so that those decisions can be made and not be withheld from the family. I mean, in short, I think in 1994 it was 18 caskets of remains were buried. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and, and families yes. weren't notified of that. How anybody thought that that could be kept a secret is beyond me, and, and I'm certainly sorry that your family and that you had to experience that. I'd also like thank to you. thank you for you and all of the surviving family members and survivors that moved forward with the Aviation Disaster Family Assistance Act. It before the break, we were talking about the NTSB and how the act now has kind of morphed the national transportation safety board from just an investigative group to a transportation disaster assistance group could you share with everyone a little bit about what the tda does
1: sure and i I will definitely just share from the family perspective on this is they have been again a tremendous resource in helping us navigate our journey through grief and loss the information they provide surrounding the accidents and the findings and probable cause does allow us to wrap our heads around the reality of the situation. Hmm. Uh, It allows us to understand more about why that plane crashed. And that is very important for the healing process, as well as the, the information they share during the family briefings in the Family Assistance Center. Or the numerous phone calls (laughs) that they have Hmm. uh, are are willing to do with the families, especially myself, since 1994. Um, You know, my first contact with that agency was 1994 and continues today. And they are an amazing group of public servants that really are trying their best to support the families and survivors following all of these transportation accidents and my hats off to them.
0: Well I certainly second Your second that motion that they are an outstanding group of folks. Unfortunately, in my tenure in accident response, I've had to interact with the National Transportation Safety Board a number of times, and they are true professionals with what they do. Um, You mentioned something that I I, I wanna, I'm gonna hold you to and um, and to share with everybody. And you talked about your journey of grief and loss. And for many people, they would assume that 1994, after the burial, that, that journey, might somewhat slow down or end but for you it hasn't you've been involved with family advocacy for 22 years now Um, share with everyone how family advocacy has changed aviation and emergency response overall
1: i i would think that our collective efforts and, and coming together and promoting It's simply promoting best practices on how to treat those who are impacted by a tragedy. That's simply what this is about. And the efforts hopefully show that when you do the right thing, the families are able to, one, accept the information being provided and not mistrust it. But two, because of that, it allows them to continue on and heal knowing that they have the information needed to begin to rebuild their life. Um, and that's extraordinary.
0: And what, if, what are some of the things that family a- advocacy groups have done recently to change the landscape of aviation today?
1: You know, when you say that, I, I think of this a couple of ways. You see the more pronounced groups um, like our group in the 90s. And then you think of the Continental Connection Flight 3407 families who have done an outstanding job promoting aviation safety and striving for one level of safety between the major carriers and the regionals. But you also need to look at the family associations that are quieter, but they still exist. And they are changing things locally and then also within their family association groups. They have yearly memorials and they have community outreach and they support the common grief journey with each other. And that too is sometimes overlooked because it's not highlighted in the media. But that is the most common thing that I see Are the smaller groups, those individuals right now in California striving and advocating locally to find a marker, to mark a plane crash from 35 years ago. Or the small group in Georgia, they're doing the same thing. They're revisiting as the family members have gotten older and realize they want to create a monument for their loved ones. So these smaller groups do deserve some of the... um, to be talked about because what they have done and shown is the resiliency following these accidents and the drive to honor their loved ones
0: jennifer thank you so much for taking the time to share with everyone your experiences and and the hard work you do Um, uh, my heart goes out to your family Um, i'm honored to have you as a friend and a colleague and i really appreciate you being so candid today and sharing your experiences. For more information on Jennifer Stansberry-Miller and the continued work she does, not only in aviation, but for family advocacy, please visit her website at www.connectionsdrc.org. That's connections, a disaster resource consortium.org. Jennifer, thank you again for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: For more information on The Black Box with Ken Jenkins, visit us online
1: at kenjenkinsllc.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter.